Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Exiting Through the 2010s, a podcast where we reflect and dissect the movies of the past 10 years. I'm your host, Jack Draper, and with me is my co-host, Clay Williams. Memo manners, memo maketh the man, my man. Today, Junior. Today we're starting our best picture winners. We're horrible people, by the way. Let's just like get that out of the way. We're horrible people who should be locked in jail. In jail. Keys thrown away. Yeah. We're starting our best picture winners series today. Um, and I had to check a few times that we are not re-recording the social network because that didn't win this year. Uh, and we're, um, we're, we're like th- we're like thirty seconds into the show, and you're <laughs> already bringing that up. Um, it's baffling, especially with retrospect and how both of these. I'm not sure how much of a competition they had this year, but let's just for the sake of argument, let's compare them. Um, how those two movies have have aged. You know, it's... Um, I see what you mean. So we're talking about The King's Speech. Um, Tom Hooper's yeah, and British we were su- drama. Um, the Cats, Tom Hooper. Yeah, right, D- Cats G- director. Yes, yeah. the great Cats director, Tom Hooper. <laughs> um, we were supposed to have Austin Burke on, but unfortunately scheduling conflicts uh, got in the way of that, but we will have him on a future episode. Absolutely. Um, we wanted to do a Best Picture miniseries, of course, to lead up to um, the actual best pictures in february you know we're close the year has just passed we're officially in 2020 mm. uh, i think it's the first episode this is of 2020 episode. um exciting and yeah it's already been kind of a shitty year but you know the king's speech has will make it better maybe I, probably I'm not sure <laughs> um and yeah but we want to lead up to the new uh, the best the current best picture award yeah. show uh for the oscars um the, oscars. the academy awards the yeah the, the big gold gold the guys. little gold men's yeah the little gold men um, um so what is your history with the oscars oh i like this because i like this question because uh this is the first film you and i have both have not seen beforehand that's true yeah this is we point. watched it for the first time yeah. um the last two days you watch it takes it out the question of yeah. what's your history with this movie? exactly so i think this is a better question uh, the Oscars. When I got into film, um, I've always been aware of the Oscars even before I really got into film. You know, like they're always a thing. And I don't know if I. I think I watched. I watched the two. Was it? Did Argo win in 2012 or 2013? It came out in 2012, so it won in 2013. So I watched that Oscars for sure. I think that was my first real Oscars because I can't remember anything really before then. And I might have watched next. And I wasn't really into film at that point. I think I saw Argo though. Um. The next year, I don't know if I watched them or not, maybe. But I think 2014, the Birdman Boyhood year, was really when I got into it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, I, maybe not really into it. I guess the first real year would be two, 2016. But for, but 2014 was when I was like, oh, okay, like boy, Boyhood, Birdman. I have no Birdman. I like Birdman. I'm paying attention. I saw a lot of those movies that year, which was like for the first time. And so I was more invested. And then I would, as I saw more movies, I got became more invested. Um, and yeah, I, and I've had, I've mostly liked the Oscars a decent amount. They've always had wins that I really appreciate. I 
love, and I feel like Jackie might feel the same way. I love mm. the Oscar season way more than I do. I, I love the Oscars. I love the conversations it sparks and the speculation and the predictions. It's kind of like sports in that way. And I come from a sports background. Jack does not. So it feels familiar to me in that way. Um, it's the ideas and speculation. Oh, does this person have a chance? Oh, I don't know. The Academy is a little tricky with this. Um, but I think last year, this Oscar season has surprised me in the sense, and this year overall in film has surprised me in the sense of like, after last year's Oscars, I kind of felt like maybe I'm, I'm may, I might be too jaded to ever really appreciate the Oscars again after a movie that shall not be named one. Um, it unfortunately will be named later on this. We'll talk about it series, and it's going to be horrible, yeah. but we'll talk about it. Yeah. It's, um, it's going to be a bummer one. It's just going to be a bummer. Um, you hate to see it. You really do. So, I was very surprised when I'm kind of genuinely excited for this year's Oscars, and maybe the Academy will kick me in the balls once again, but I've genuinely loved this year in film. I've found so many interesting narratives and discussions to be had with this year in film, good or bad, um, and I'm kind of glad we're doing this because mm. it's also a great time to look in retrospect, especially with yeah. the decade now over, um, and coming into a new year of Oscars and what that entails. Who knows? A lot of controversy, a lot of, uh, shit being thrown, but it'll be fun. Yeah. What about you? What, what are your um, thoughts of the Oscars? We have similar, I think we've found this when doing this show. We've, I, we have similar paths to the Oscars. We didn't win any Oscars, but as Oscar viewers, um, I strangely also saw Argo as a too young to kind of get surface level details, but not, but not subtext, I suppose. Um, and I think it was just because maybe it starred Ben Affleck. I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, it was weirdly like it was a, like I was watching something adult for the first time at age. 13? Yes, <laughs> I felt the it? same exact way because like of like these. Oh, these political issues. There's like life yeah. and death. There's diplomacy and bureaucracy. Yeah. This is heavy. Lo- this is heavy stuff. And I also saw Birdman too young for the same reasons. But it was the next year, the 2015 leading into 2016, where I started paying attention. And I remember um, that was the first time that I felt devastation where rylance beat stallone and we'll talk about this i'm sh- i'm sure um well we got to spotlight but it's but it's like when rylance beats stallone i just i i i had known kind of the uh strategy of campaigning but not to the extent of how we know it now because i think it's every year it's evolving what is and isn't accepted as campaigning and even it's a little still flexible nowadays, but I think we still know that Rylance was putting a lot more work than Stallone. So I think that gave him the upper hand, but it was just, I think that everyone wanted Stallone to win so badly. And uh, man, that still kind of crushes me because his work in Creed is like just sublime. And um, yeah, I've, I've just, yeah, like you said, I've just, loved the hype of award season we're in the midst of it right now that i mean the they're nonsensical but um the golden globes are about to happen this weekend and 
um, I think the uh, the pageantry of involved in award season makes up for kind of the bullshit that goes on that the academy likes to decide. Like, I think we can talk about snubs and surprises all day, but we're still going to tune in for the next year, and I think that's kind of fascinating. Well, yeah, and the thing about the Oscars and the Globes and all of that, they're not just for film fans. Um, Mm. Now, I mean, they used to be more for a widespread audience, but as years go on, their viewership declines, and that's a whole other conversation. But the Oscars are still and historically been kind of for even people who don't really watch movies because then people watch for the celebrities or the hosting or the jokes, um, the red carpets, the... The fashion is a huge part of the Oscars that people don't really talk about, people in our space especially, but I know my mom used to watch the Oscars just for really the fashion um, before Mm. I got into movies. And then when I got into movies, I would watch it with her, and she would always watch it like an hour before me for the fashion. Um, And the, like, um, the press and publicity that came with that is pretty important to the Oscars overall because it creates this culture of the Oscars and the Academy and of the special night. That's the idea of like, that's the real idea of the Oscars. It's this night to celebrate movies, to celebrate Hollywood, you know, like it needs more celebrating. Um, but it's still like, it's still captivating because there's all these narratives of people and celebrities and films and art going on while also having the spectacle of the jokes and the, and the dresses to Mm -hmm. uh, captivate even a general audience member. Now, unfortunately, that has become the captivation of the Oscars has had a lot of ups and downs, especially in this decade. A lot of boring Oscars, but uh, I feel like we're on the right track after last year, in a sense. Yeah, I think that as many you can, I mean, this is subjective, but as many bad calls as you can make, there are as many paradigm shifts. Um, just because, yeah. I mean, we're talking about the King's speech today, and I think you can kind of look at that as the old guard. Like, this is a capital O Oscar movie. And it defeated some things that would have a better shot in 2019 than they would in 2010. Yes. It's hard to know, though, because, like, the thing about those Oscars is it was kind of a weird group of nominees if you didn't count the social network. Um, you had, uh, let me read off. Yeah, I'm looking at it right nominees. now, too. Do you want, I have it right here. Yeah, you can do that. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, in 2010, we had Winner's Bone, uh, True Grit, Toy Story 3, Social Network, Kids Are All Right, Inception, The Fighter, Black Swan. 127 hours the king's speech now we both weren't around that time i mean we i mean we were alive but That'd we be weren't hysterical. really focusing. like at 10 years old we were like <laughs> <laughs> um but we were both um but we both weren't into the oscars mm. discussion or whatever but i'm guessing the fighter and king's speech were the only ones that had a real shot mm. Because of the Academy love. And the weird thing is, you would think the social network would have a shot, and it should, but I feel like... It was ahead of its time. 
I mean, that, Looking and I feel off. like the Academy has, has, has this very weird relationship with Fincher that is, mm. I don't know, it's, and it might be because, like, a lot of the people, a lot of crew people and producers work, or uh, vote for the Academy, and those people kind of hate Fincher, <laughs> mm. <laughs> because of yeah. how meticulous yeah. and overbearing Strenuous. and, yeah. um, and kind of crazy he is, mm. um, and that's Can't another thing, it. like, a lot of, a lot of people thought that Stallone lost the Oscar to Ryan's because of his reputation inside of the Hollywood machine, which is always something you have to consider when mm-hmm. talking about the Oscars, which is unfortunate because it really should be more about the performances or the actual talent than necessarily the campaigning or the politics. But, you know, it is what it is. Humans have opinions and make their own decisions because mm-hmm. of bi- whether it be with biases or not. So it's just kind of the name of the game. Um, but interesting like i don't even know if social network would win maybe it would have been like maybe like last year or like i don't know if it could win this year i don't know how married the academy are or how okay they are with fincher um which is interesting but like the fighter i think they they really dig david o russell they like all those actors in there so maybe maybe i feel like that would have the second best shot um and i have not seen the fighter have you I have not seen The Fighter. I haven't seen any David Russell movies. Oh, um, interesting. I, I'm actually really surprised to see Black Swan in here. Like, I would expect Aron- Darren Aronofsky to be a little bit more polarizing and not, like, more welcomed with open arms into a Best Picture slot. I mean, and then you got, like, Winter's Bone is a... Pr- I mean, I love Winter's Bone. I think that's, like, an excellent movie, but... And like it's it's just really small and quiet and I mean I think the whole J Law narrative of her being kind of the a star is born of that of that movie um, that might have helped to get in just I can imagine her being a, a lot of critics picks um, and then like Toy Story three True Grit yeah those are both great Inception that's a that's a pretty I like that pick that's I mean like would that have gotten in any other year if it hadn't expanded a few years prior. Hmm. That's interesting. Oh, I see. I see what you're saying before to that, before the dark yeah. night. Yeah. Before the dark well, night. I mean, you could also make the argument that they nominated just because like, yeah, we're sorry. We fucked up with the dark night. You know, we got to give Nolan some credit. This yeah. movie was a juggernaut. And do you, um, and, and like people even speculate that Nolan was nominated for director in 2017 for Dunkirk because they didn't give him picture for inception. Or director for Inception. I mean, it's hard to know with people with these we can talk big, about big careers and, you know, like these these huge careers and these and like directors with a huge impact. It's hard to tell like what if what's a makeup for what and what's a you know and what's an actual deserving nomination for what. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the fun of the Oscars too. Is it's just you have to speculate. Because it's a large voting academy instead of like the um, Hollywood Forum and Press for the Globes. It's this huge, it's this huge voting body. So we have to speculate. We don't really know why certain people voted for this for a direct reason. Like if the Golden Globe wins something, you can ask the 50 people who voted. I mean, it's not 50, but yeah. you know, they, and they probably received. Yeah. yeah, exactly. They probably received some nice watches for that win too. Yeah. Um, they're corrupt. Uh, but uh, let's just move on. Um, is that I don't we probably can't do this right now, but I am curious. Is so the Win- Winter's Bone is directed by Double Granick, right? It is, yes. Is that out of 
the last 10 years is that the that is that only the third movie to be nominated for best picture directed by a woman you have uh, lady bird you have lady bird and, yes uh, zero dark 30 zero dark well yeah um I'm this would require kidding. a lot of research, but off the top of my head, I can't off think of it. Off the decade? That's what you're saying? Yeah. Yes, because The Hurt Locker was before, before 2010. It was... You're right. Yeah, you're right. Hmm. Wow. Jeez. It is interesting that they did direct a... Well, one, that's extremely depressing. That's but it sad. is interesting for how they do, not, nominated a movie with, you know, nominated... A female director, best picture, um, in 2011. Like that, and that's that low budget too. But like in 2011, while there's been that early in the decade, while we've still, but they, we've still had major issues, and the like. You would think that the next year maybe another one would get in, and the next year after that maybe two, or you know what I mean? Like there would be a progress towards them, but it's only been one, and it's at this like. And it's not, and it hasn't really inclined literally at all. And then the next year you get Midnight in Paris. I mean, we'll talk about that next week, but whoosh. Yeah, so out of these best pictures, so we should probably talk about King's Speech soon, but out of, I just yeah. wanted to ask, out of those best picture nominations, what have you seen? And what, what would you give it? I what, haven't what, seen 127 Hours, The Fighter, and The Kids, and the kids Are Alright, everything else I have seen. And what would out you of give best picture? those, I mean, Social Network. But, um, I mean, yeah, yeah, definitely Social Network. I have yeah. not seen Black Swan. I also Swan. love Okay. Um, I, I, I have not seen Black Swan, The Fighter, Kids Are All Right, or Winter's Bone. Mm-hmm. Um, I like 127 Hours. I think it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, Inception's great. It's one of my favorite Nolans. Uh, Toy Story Three is really good. True Grit is one of my favorite. Yeah, shout out to True actually. Grit, by the way. It's I probably maybe I don't know. Maybe you can just of the later Coens, it might be the most underrated in my opinion. I agree. Um, well, Hail Caesars. You can make an argument it's pretty underrated. I mean, well, I'm in the sense that people really don't like that movie. Um, yeah, I mean, there's but, some defenders though. Yeah, there's some defenders. I wouldn't say it's not hated or anything. Yeah, it's, it's just... not hated. It's just like it was. It's it's a really weird. I mean, Cohen's can be, can get pretty weird, but it's it's a pretty weird movie. But I agree. I would give it to Social Network. Okay. But yeah, shout out to uh, all the work that um uh what's what's his name uh Jeff. Well, I, I don't. I didn't want to say actor. Jeff Daniels, because I know it's not Jeff. Da- Jeff it's Bridges? Um, Jeff Bridges. Yeah, shout out to Jeff Bridges' work in that. I mean, shout out. To I Jeff mean, if Daniels he didn't win general. that last year, I think he could have had it. I mean, we can talk about actor in a second, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um. Maybe. I don't know. It's kind. I don't think they. No, I don't think they would have given it to him this year. Anyways. Um. Speaking about. Oh, I guess we actually it's naturally to a- actor. Um. Because. Do you have actor pulled up? Yeah. I have all I have the whole thing pulled up. All right. Um, Colin Firth for the King's Speech, Javier Bardem for uh like I, be, how do you pronounce that? Beautiful. I think it's just beautiful, but it's like spelled yeah, in, a different. In yeah. Uh, Jeff Bridges for True Grit, Jesse Eisenberg for Social Network, Social Network, and James Franco for 127 Hours. Um, 
Yeah, I'd give it to Bridges, yeah. Oh, you wouldn't give it to Eisenberg? I mean, I just want to spread the wealth. <laughs> if I'm, like, personally picking out of these, I just want a sense of giving social network picture. Yeah, just, you know, so, but what would you, but if you had to, like, if you didn't have to spread the wealth, like, who do you think really deserves the award for Best Actor? Don't take this cop out. <laughs> what? Don't be, don't don't take the cop out and be like I want to spread the wealth. You know you, you got to choose. Um. Well, I mean I'm not gonna say. You I think Jeff I mean, really. I really like it. Eisenberg. I think Eisenberg's doing really underrated work. Um. Even though the movie's so beloved, his performance isn't really talked about. So I mean, yeah, I think he's really good in the movie. Uh, yeah, I I do sincerely want to give it to Jeff Bridges. Bridges? Yeah. Okay. Um. Hogsworth, I think that's his name. He's making a meal out of that movie. I don't. I see. I think Franco's really good in 127 Hours. I think that's an extremely hard role. Yeah. I might like him a little better than Firth, but I'm undecided. Just Eisenberg. Would you give it to him? I, um, no. Um, it's either Eisenberg or Bridges, and I'm giving it to Eisenberg. Eisenberg. I think Eisenberg is the best performance of those five. I, I think I haven't seen Beautiful, but Colin Firth might be the worst among the ones I've seen. Interesting. I agree. I don't, he's not bad. He's. I, I want to make that clear. He's not bad. It's just. Um. Yeah, I'm not. I, I don't know. I, Jeffrey Rush, Rush really got. Yeah, Jeffrey that Rush year. is really good. But he got screwed that year because he had to go up against Renner for the town, Ruffalo for, um, the kids are all right. Um, but especially Palmer, the person right? who won is Christian Bale for the fighter. Wait, it's not Christopher Plummer. Christopher Plummer was not nominated that year. For beginners, he won. It's different year. Oh, that came out in 2011. Oh, it did. Yes. Um. Oh. Um. Yeah. And I'm gonna totally disregard everything that I said for director that I just said for actor because I would totally give it to Fincher. I think this is like, yeah, it's an exceptional work. Wait. I thought. Oh. Okay. I thought we were talking about supporting actor. Yeah, I just I just had that thought. That's all. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I think I don't know. I, yeah, I think Fincher wins that outright. I don't think yeah. that's like a discussion. <laughs> but um, I just said like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna like not put all my eggs in one basket. This is true. Um. Yeah, no, I think Rush. If Rush was nominated any other year that didn't have Bale against him, I think he would have won. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think Rush is Jeffrey incredible. Rush is really good. He's he's not like making a meal out of this movie as as much as Firth is kind of this movie should have been about Rush yeah yeah that's my hot I mean, take it, like it kind of is Mm-mm. but I but it's like I don't care about Colin Firth as or I'm not I, interested as as much in Firth as I am in uh Jeffrey Rush the only thing I'm interested the only time I'm interested in Firth really is when he's with Jeffrey Rush yeah I think their dynamic is the movie, and if it was more of the movie, I would like it a lot more. I think my take on the King's Speech... Are we just getting into it? Yeah, I mean, we might okay. as well. I don't think um, any other... Direction. I think my take is that this movie runs out of steam real quick. And it's mm, like... I disagree. I think it's... I, th- I think I just lose interest, like, 30 minutes in. I think... I, no, I see, my interest peaks and valleys. When it's... Anything about the royal stuff, I, I, I zone out. Zone I don't out, care yeah. about the... I don't care about the kings or the queens or whatever. I just don't think that's presented in an interesting way. I think 
I don't even think Guy Pierce, um, not Guy Pierce. Wait, no, is Guy Pierce? Guy Pierce is in this, yeah. Yes, right. Um, I don't think he's that great. Um, I don't. Michael Gambon might be the best performance out of all of that, and he's like Timothy Small as Winston seconds. Churchill is really just <laughs> having a time in his life. Yeah, I, I, he's he. It's a good Churchill actually. He's in it's there for a, like three scenes, but it's a more subdued Churchill than we've yeah. gotten. Yeah. Of this decade. I think it's like an earlier stage of his life, Churchill. But anything with the rush and first stuff, I'm in. I'm locked yeah. in. I'm, yeah. I'm loving it. You're dialed in. Uh, Oh, yeah. I think it's my favorite part of the movie. If it was the whole movie, I would have liked this so much more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it doesn't, like, see, like, the therapy session with him and, like, not therapy session, but it feels like a therapy session when it's after like his dad therapy. just died. Yeah, but, like, when his dad just died and Firth comes to Rush um, to and they have this, like, conversation <laughs> about Firth's childhood, if that was the movie... I would care about one. I would care about um, Firth much yeah. more. I'd be more invested, and I would maybe love the movie because I think that like they're. I feel like the movie should have trusted their dynamic much more than mm. it actually. Yeah, I think, I think their dynamic is interesting. I just, I think because it's surrounded by so much like like you're like you're saying. I agree. It's because it's surrounded by so much royalty and dynasty and dynamic like it's it's almost like these movies are at war with each other like it could be the two popes sort of where it's like it's just their sessions together and learning about their personal lives or it's just like two guys talking for 90 minutes yeah but i i kind of have a similar i don't not similar i think two popes is better but i do have a problem with how on how kind of how much the jonathan price's storyline kind of invades the film instead mm. of more being about their dynamic mm-hmm. i still really like that mo- movie but that's my like that's that's another thing where i just want them to trust the dynamic a little more yeah they think that's where the sweet spot is and i understand the idea of fleshing out one of those characters to make it a little more investing mm-hmm. um but it really should have just been about rush i think like i think his family dynamic i like i like a lot more mm-hmm. um i think it's just this more interesting angle just because i feel like I mean, it, it, there is something to say. This is an interesting story of someone with a speech impediment uh, having this great deal of responsibility in making a speech. And it's kind of like the sports movie, but it gets hampered down so much by all of the politics of like marriage and like you can't marry a divorced woman and the brother has, you know, the brother can't be king. And that yeah. whole spiel just kind of is so boring. Because they can, if it focused on Rush, it could have been like a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Or it's like the King King George, right? Yeah, 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 it's King George. And then the six. And then it could have been like King George is the Mister Rogers, where it's like the fish out of water coming into this person's life. Um, yeah, yeah. So it sucks. I also like. And I, I also like think this. Bo- oh yeah, sorry. Good. No, go ahead. Yeah, I I think the way that Tom Hooper made made the movie is outrageous. It's kind of outrageous, like. He shoots this like a Terry Gilliam movie sometimes it's where it's like a, it's weirdly there's shot. A ne- it's there's really a lot of negative shot. space in the frame and there's like exaggerated um, close-ups sometimes. And, um, and extreme close-ups in the beginning were just yeah, so off-putting. Yeah, it's I it just it's kind of feels unconfident because um, like some like I think this is actually really well shot. 
but it just doesn't match this self-serious tone that it's going for like the camera work exactly yeah it's it's bizarre the when when um i think this was kind of supposed to be a joke but like in the very beginning when like it starts with one like the bbc guy like um doing his vocal exercises with the extreme close of him like washing out his mouth i wrote like i wrote my notes is this a comedy like right, i was like yeah. so like what is this this is like a tim burton movie what's going on and like the very extreme close-ups of the the kind of hokey desplat score i was kind of yeah. like all right what's going what's going on I mean, here the man i i've never heard him make a bad piece of oh this music, score but, is great the score yeah, is it's actually really good um Did patrick williams had this video when the cats trailer came out and we'll both never forget that day when the cats trailer came out in the summer but he had this video about how he can't stop thinking about the cast trailer. And so it kind of had him dig into Tom Hooper a little bit. And I rewatched that video for this uh, episode. And he's talking about Tom Hooper. And it's it's almost like he was anointed best director because of how dressed and prestige this movie was dressed in. Um, and like Colin Firth was this guy that everyone knew from a single man, but this is where he really shined. And um, yeah. And it was almost it's like a narrative just, movie. It's a narrative movie. Yeah. And, and so then he went on to lay Miz, which was a little bit more divisive and then Danish girl and then cats. And <laughs> it's a, it's a very weird career. He's a weird guy. Yeah. And like, those are all movies that have aged quite poorly. Like Danish yeah. girl, the moment it came out, people were like, Oh wow. That's uh <laughs> That's some Oscar shit. Um, there's this there's this moment in Alicia Vikander's Oscar speech. <laughs> she's like, um, where's Tom? Tom. And he's like this. He's like, he just kind of looks like milk toast, a little, a little dorky. Or he's just like, <laughs> here I am. <laughs> and um, oh, and I, I've I'll never forget this moment where it's like um, Tom Hooper was at the, the director's roundtable in 2010. It was like him, Fincher, and um, sometimes they'll have directors that don't make the cut sometimes, like people that have been like talked about but that have buzz. Yeah. And I think that Mike Lee was there, but he didn't make the cut. Um, but we could check that later when we do director. Um, and so you cut to like Tom Hooper talking at the round table, and Mike Lee is sitting there like bored out of his mind like this. <laughs> and it's it's like that face is like it, it kind of went viral and um did mike lee direct oh, it, oh um i totally forgot mr turner i don't I, know i don't i'm pr- I mean, mr yeah. turner didn't it like come out like 2013 yeah no um hang on yeah you just talked about it up. he was not really? nominated for that year well now i'm just uh, gonna see what he directed yeah um yeah, I never got Tom. I mean, I haven't seen. I'll be honest, like none of his movies have interested me to like see it. Like Danish yeah. Girl looked like Oscar pretend, yeah. like Oscar prestige trash, and all of like the critics reviews were like, yeah, it's Oscar prestige uh, prestige trash. Right. Um, and like Les Miserables is I th- is I think its reported runtime is five hours long. I don't yeah, know, that's yeah, what yeah. people have told me. Yeah, you, um, it has two intermissions. And I've and I've always but the King's Speech have always been like oh, I want to watch that it looks like kind of like a I'm a sucker for like two dramatic actors talking a lot. It was another um, year in a room. That was the movie another year. Another year, yeah. 
Who's in that? Uh, Jim Broadbrand and Rusheen. Oh, Leslie Mann. Damn, I really don't know that movie. Okay. Yeah, I, I want to get... That's my, one of my resolutions. I'm trying to get more in Mike Lee. Um, I've just yeah. heard that he's never made a bad movie. Interesting. No. I'll have to get... I'll have or to, very rare, or like, has very few bad movies. I'll have to adopt your resolution then. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Tom Hooper's a weird cat. Did, 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 did you hear what I... You, you get it? Weird, he's a weird cat. Okay, so Tom moving Hooper. on. Um, <laughs> I'm going to detract comedy points. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, Do you think yeah. Tom Hooper tells puns? I don't think... Tom Hooper does anything. I think Tom Hooper is locked in a basement until like his con it's kind of like the Spider-Man contract where it's like you have to have a Spider-Man movie out every two years or something. It's kind of like he, Tom. Okay. So we've had you in here legally for too long. I think you need to have like another movie and yeah, go make a movie or something. It's just like, there's like a little creek of sunlight. It's <laughs> He's like first with that model plane. It's like He's what like, Ozymandias was stuck in in Watchmen, like in that end credit scene. <laughs> but it, it, it's like he like he's like Firth in the model plane, where he's like, "Can I make a movie now?" And you're like, "No, no, no, not like, yet. Yeah, gotta, yeah, yeah. You gotta write the script first. Like he, oh, his beard okay. is like to, out to here. Yeah, it's, it's just nonsense. Like he's <laughs> like I think he's just eating like a bag of saltines until he has to. Oh, he definitely eats saltines and yeah, drinks yeah, ginger totally. ale. Like he drinks tea. Like I know he drinks tea. Like not even good tea. Like herbal gray is all he yeah. drinks. There's no way. <laughs> like he, he forgets drink. to add water. He, like he'll just eat the <laughs> like the dry mixture. He'll, just eat the, he'll eat the tea bag. Yeah. yeah. Just be like, yeah, oh great. You think he's like a robot? Is oh, that like I, I've never heard him speak, so I don't know. Right. But is he like a robot? He's a robot. He's absolutely a robot. Is is he just like the studio's like we need to make this prestigiosca picture? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Who can we get? get Let's get the robot. Tom, get in here. <laughs> like they um oh by the way, this is a Weinstein picture. I think we should just I, I, get that I was, with that. Yeah. That my first note is, you know, of course the logo yeah. pops up and I said, Oh no, the Weinstein company. I mean, of course we'll talk about it sometime soon, I'm I'm hoping, but The Master is like one of my favorite all time movies. And every time I have to go and rewatch it, I have to see the Weinstein company pop up. It's the worst. You hate to see it. Um, you really do. But yeah, so I think we're both kind of like, we're just kind of eh on the King's speech. I, I think, I, I mean, I think we both kind of have the same feelings about it, but, I've, but I'm more enthusiastic about parts of it than you are, I think. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think I, absolute, I absolutely adore the Jeffrey Rush stuff. I think he's easily the best performance of this movie, I think this movie, if he didn't, if he was not in this movie, this movie would be straight garbage. Yeah, I love Jeffrey Rush in this movie. Jeffrey Rush in this movie. I think the acting, uh, the vocal exercises are fun. Yeah. I think those scenes of him and Firth talking are fun. Yeah, I, I just like, I really dig it. And like the swearing scene, I'm sorry, but that swearing scene's cool. It is like good. Here's the thing. So we can talk a lot about biopics and how sometimes they're at a loss they're creatively bankrupt and they just kind of follow a formula and people buy into a formula like the social network like well i mean i'm thinking more <laughs> know, like I'm yeah i'm thinking more like bohemian i mean we can talk about musician biopics as like a different breed but i mean we just saw what happened in bohemian rhapsody yeah um, i mean there's like the darkest hour lincoln sure i mean there's different kinds but i guess my point is 
um, this is taking a very specific look at a person like the speech mm-hmm. impediment impediment. Like I, I didn't, by the way, I didn't even know that was what it was about. I just, Wait, you didn't I, No, I, I just, I knew it was called the King's speech, but I was like, Oh, it's literally about his. Okay. Well, the I don't speech. Know. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> kind of like a double entendre. Um, mm-hmm. so if you look at the state of biopics, like they're usually like, okay, so we're going to start with the person's childhood and end on his deathbed. And it's like, okay, well, that's a little broad and then it gets boring. So the King's speech decides to focus on a very specific part of this person. Which I think we're and seeing th- more of. Well, yes, you're, and I guess like I'm conflicted because I should be congratulating this script for taking a chance but it fails to do so. And it's like, I yeah, I agree. I don't think, I, I think it does too much of the royalty stuff to yeah. really take that full swing. And it's like, but it, it then leaves me hopeless because I'm like, okay, but if that doesn't work, then it's just, we're back to square one. The king of the biopic to me has always been Marty Scorsese. I mean, like he's the king in general, but also the king of the biopic, because if you look at, for example, the aviator, Yes, it focuses on Howard Hughes' love life and his business relationships, but it focuses on his OCD and that how his obsessive compulsions contribute to his filmmaking and his life and his just his mentality. Um, I mean, you can take that for—I mean, he just pulls from real life in almost every one of his movies. I mean, very rarely are his movies about things that didn't actually happen. So— in that in that thinking, I think, um, yeah, the King's Speech is a weird example of something that could have been taken to a formula but wasn't and didn't work. Funny enough, I kind of wanted them to actually go to his childhood. <laughs> like, I think that would right. – because like if they're going to explore they – if they want to explore this trauma and what that leads and that why that leads to this impediment and like the social, um, the societal and social uh, constructs and contracts put on royalty and especially a child of royalty and what that does to someone's uh, psyche and um, self-love um, and confidence and stuff like that. Well, let's explore that because I find that to be, if we really want to focus on the speech impediment, we want to focus on why there is a speech impediment. We want to focus on how this affects this man. Let's do that instead of spend like 20 minutes worrying about his fucking brother. I don't care about his fucking brother. I'm sorry. I think that's like easily the weakest part of the movie and like hit the brother's wife or whatever. And like, I like what what is that storyline? I just it's like it it feels like a Wikipedia page. And that's the thing about biopics is like, all right, I, I, cool. I know the events now. I get context. That's fine. But like, I also think that's I don't another as much time on oh. it. Yeah, sorry. Was... No, that's it. Yeah. Oh, um, I think Wikipedia pages is a, actually a really good point as well. Biopics will um, expect you to know more going into the movie, I'll find. Like, I can't think of any examples right now, but it'll sometimes be of course well of course you know this well wait i don't know this because you're supposed to teach me this and um i just listened to the rewatchables they talk about dunkirk tarantino was the guest and something that i mean something that tarantino said that was really well put is that no one doesn't expect you to know anything about the dunkirk um 
event going in, but when you leave, you kind of want to know more. And yeah, and it doesn't take 30 minutes to explain it, to right, you like, the exact I mean, context of everything that's happening in Dunkirk. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you don't get that much with with real life historical uh, portrayals, where it's just like the event was so lean that there were some things that I'm still interested in. I mean, like, of course, maybe that's a subjective criticism and people watched um, uh, King's Speech and you're like wanting to know more about King George. I don't know, but... Well, it's an interesting story. You can apply that to different it, things, I guess. Yeah, it's an interesting story. It doesn't necessarily make it an interesting movie. So I would understand why people were like, oh, I want to learn more about this. But there's in a way that, like, you know, we all always talk about this when talking about films and you know, scripts, is there's a better way to do exposition. Um, like, I think Steve Jobs does a great job at exposition. That's a similar movie about... I mean, not similar to The King's Speech, but similar in its biographical constraints or constraints and um uh and the expectations of a uh biopic but what it does is it says these quick like five minute news it, it news intervals between like the three key scenes and they're like oh this is what happened in like in the last 10 years in this five or five minute news segment boom done let's move on i think that's a, again great way of using exposition to get straight into the actual you know themes and importance and um, uh, uh, the actual story. Yeah. Um, it, Wikipedia facts are can be done in a way that does not restrict the movie to to have this overflow of context. Yeah. Like I don't need to know the exact reason why the brother couldn't be the king. And like I, and I understand that they might they're trying to use that to explore his relationship with his brother and how that informs his speech impediment and his responsibility and all that. I get that. But you have to make that more interesting if you want to use that. And you have to have that be more um, ha- lead more into the therapy sessions with Jeffrey Rush instead of having this five minute conversation about the rule. Like um, there's a reason why you can't marry because he's a church of. Church of England and it's looked frowned upon like I don't need I don't need all that I don't care yeah I don't care about the it like the um, intricate rules of royalty that's not why I'm watching this movie I'm watching this movie to figure out okay what's the speech impediment how does this really affect him and the rush stuff really gets to that and you can have that outside context but you have to have it more streamlined and that's why I that's why I struggle with this movie is because I'm just so bored when it's not about that and I'm really locked in when it is, and they have someone, and you have someone much more interesting in Jeffrey Rush. And I think when I think Firth is actually great when he's with Rush. The other stuff, I just don't really care. Yeah, it almost seems like it it loses some of its some of its emotional poignancy when it bounces back to the royalty stuff. Oh, it really does. Yeah, I could not care. Like I I wanted to feel more because I think there's a lot of stuff going on here, and I think again, I think. Again, I love two people just talking about deep subjects like yeah. what Rush and um, Firth was doing yeah. in those in those um, therapy scenes, and even like the little yeah. hijinks of them uh, doing these weird exercises, I find compelling because it was one, it was paced paced well, and I get to see two characters actually have their like the idea of having the king there to and um, to take down his walls of uh and he want and to be more vulnerable and emotional and personal with this person 
is interesting. It's compelling. Um, and I wanted to see more of that. I wanted to see that progression of, you know, being truly connecting with a person for the first time. Like he yeah. says, like this, you're the first real person I've really talked to. That's not of like royal descent or whatever. I'm yeah, and I love the part when they set up um, zany Home Alone pranks all around the royal castle, and like they <laughs> tricked it and like they pranked everybody, and like there was lighter fluid on the guy's head, and his hair was on fire, and some guy slid on motor oil. Yeah, that part was excellent. Um, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, that's funny. But yeah, I think I want to visit a timeline where Helena Bottom Carter never meets Tim Burton because I haven't seen her in much else besides like this and Fight Club and Tim Burton collaborations. But she seems this where she's like, where she's in Tim Burton mode. And it doesn't help that she's sidelined, of course. I mean, it's their story. Yeah. I think she's um, good in this movie. I disagree. Um, really? I don't know. I just... Um, she has personality, I think. That's why... I, I think it's personality that just doesn't meet the movie. But I don't think the movie really knows what it wants to be. Exactly. Yeah, but I don't... I don't yeah, but it doesn't help Helena Bonham. I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I like her in the movie. Yeah, I think she's more. I think she actually helps with the emo. It, the whatever emotions actually there with Firth, and right, I think yeah. it's she makes those scenes a little more interesting to watch mm. because she is kind of quirky and a little unpredictable. Um, yeah. But I agree, it's not a strongly written character. Um, is I, I think she should have had a bigger part because I feel like that quirkiness of her would make more sense if it was fleshed out a little more. Yeah, like if you want to add the context of Firth's personal life that like that's with all the king stuff or whatever like have her be more of a part of that mm-hmm. don't focus on the fucking brother i'm sorry i i really i was getting frustrated how much we were making a big deal of this brother and the divorce or whatever i'm like this does not matter this just just really has no impact on any of the story besides the actual events that perspired guy pierce was the, was the brother yeah and yeah, okay. i don't think he was that good yeah like i already forgot this movie I think that when he just like <laughs> sobs to his mother, like all of a sudden, I think that's bad. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't like I think the way he does that in his body language in that scene, I don't think is good. Like think I, I don't think bad in the movie. I don't want to say bad. He's just mm, I don't know. I don't like him in the movie. I'll put okay. it like that. I, no, I don't like his. <laughs> you think he's bad in the movie? I guess. Okay. Um, but maybe he's doing what the movie needs him to do in a sense. Yeah. But I don't like that. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I won't disagree. Um, yeah, what are some other things we could... Um, did you feel, like, heft and weight and stakes to the to the whole climax when he has to give that speech? And if the lessons even paid off? Yes, in a way. I think the practice scene right before that is actually really good. Is that the one again, where he, like, rush. tells him off when he's on the throne? No, 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 no. It's like right. It's leading right. To, you really did already forget this movie. Um, <laughs> it's it's literally right before he goes into the recording session. It's oh, with yeah, him yeah. at the fireplace and him like doing all of his lessons. He's singing, then he's cursing, then he's singing, and all of that. And right, right I think yes. first actually really good in that scene. I think Rush is good in that scene. It maybe it's a little extra, but I do think it incorporates a lot of the stuff that we've just watched. Mm-hmm. And 
um i think again if they i think if they dealt with more of the trauma behind his stamp uh, his stammer a little more um i do think that final scene would have a little more impact because he like oh he achieved something even though like he was he was um all his life he was hurt and suffered because of the stammer but now he's finally like gotten over it um, I, but even though like that's the I, the idea of that is still in the actual movie, I just think it could have been fleshed out a little more if they really talked about that trauma like they did yeah. in that one scene. Yeah. Um, but that speech had very weird impact on me with where because we me and Jack ta- me and Jack talked about this off mic before we started recording about how this is the second really coincidental movie we've done. <laughs> In a sense of with it relates to uh, real world events, how our you know re, you know yesterday we've the United States government uh, bombed a place in Iran and took out a big military leader. It doesn't really matter, but we're on we're, we're <laughs> we have we're very. It's I don't even know how to fucking explain this. It's so stupid. You hate to see it. Um, you it's really do. It's a real it's, it's a real it, bummer. It's a bummer. I like last it's been night. A I like down over a few first days of the year. It really has. Like last, I was supposed to watch this movie last night. That's what I was planned, but I heard about that, and I kind of like, oh no, I don't want a somber movie right now. Right. So I put on a Mike Birbiglia comedy, and I'm like, this great, is better. Great special, though. I mean, oh, great special. Great. Special. Oh yeah, it's so good. Yeah, watch the new Mike Birbiglia special. It's shout and, out to the new one. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Yeah, he's a great storyteller too. That's the I thing. I saw That's him live. Did you know good. that? I saw him live. Oh no. Oh man, yeah, I want great. to. Yeah. Yeah. He he's like one of the more theater. He's from my. He's from my area. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's very. He's one of the more intimate comics around. And yeah, I and I, he's a really good storyteller. Like, um, yeah. Oh my I, god. It's almost like he's fun. when he's telling a story, he's unsure if the audience will like it. So he's almost like making sure everyone's responding to it. Like, so I got a cup of ice cream. You know, it's yeah, and exactly. he's like kind of scanning everyone. Oh, his timing is great it's, and how oh, he interacts with the just audience. Expert timing, yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. The way he says, I know. Yeah. I'm in the future, also. Yeah. Um, I bought the couch. Yeah, he's he's so good. Um, so I have but a couch. Now. I needed to watch that yesterday because yeah. the world was bad and I wanted to not be in that world anymore. So I wanted to yeah. escape and I couldn't do this movie, but. I didn't realize how fucking like coincidental it is in the sense of mm. so our president has basically declared war on Iran. In a sense, we're not going to war, but in right now, the second. I mean, it, it it's looking that way and it's scary. Uh whatever happens, there will be some conflict of some sort and it is um it's uh nerve-wracking to say the least. Um and I was kind of freaking out about that. And then when I watch it today, and I'm still kind of freaking out a little bit about it since I've just I'm I'm a big politics guy and current world events. I try to keep up them as much as possible. And unfortunately that has its big downsides, which is affecting my mood like it did today. But when I'm watching this movie and I would have, and the, and I had no idea that the actual like point of this, like the big climax of the movie was to tell, to tell us uh, this world leader, the leader of the, um, this leader and representation of, of his own country and, him being a patriot and him caring for his actual people, telling a, uh, giving them a speech of the upcoming war, of you know, of, of them going to war with Germany, and to kind of lift their spirits and make them feel united and comfort them, and 
and to give them a sense of hope, um, patriotism, and uh, real emotion and uh, empathy. Mm. Yeah. Um, and when I was hearing that, like the final speech, I was kind of like, oh, dear God. And I, I, if this movie was better, I probably would have like started crying or something. Like I would have had this yeah, really, right, like, a much right. bigger emotional impact but it's still you know it's still stuck with me i I was still like this is you know this is i think the editing in that is actually decent i think the even though if it's a bit cliche i think it is somewhat effective Mm. um not necessarily in the way like as much as it wants to be but you know it's competently done Mm -hmm. but it was just it just took me aback of how much i kind of how much i need that kind of speech right now yeah but we're not getting it because our president is horrible um, and that's all I say. Um, no, no good. That moment, yeah, you're right. I think if this mo- if this movie had more emotional poignancy, it could have been great. But it was just kind of like, okay, so this is what we've been building up to, building up to, and it looks like the work paid off. So, in in it doesn't. I mean, it it helps that these things are have actually happened. You're you're strict to those creative boundaries. So, um, yeah, I mean, like, it just kind of happens. Like, there's, I mean, it's just a man delivering a speech, and it was just delivered in a way that wasn't as smooth as he could before. And that was the whole thing. And, um, yeah, I don't want, I mean, I don't want to rewrite the movie, because I think that's, like, not our job. That's not how to criticize it. Um. I'm also kind of picky about title cards, like ending title cards. So, I mean, whenever those come up, they kind of feel like, like wasted material. Like you didn't already forget what the title card was. Me too. And I, and it's just, I hate when filmmakers decide to do that because it just, it just, I don't know. It's just lazy to me. Really? Well, I mean, do you, I, I, I don't, I don't have, an opinion on that i just gotta say i i usually have an opinion on everything i have no opinions on that so fascinating um i mean yeah i mean it's you know i i i have those things as well those little things where i'm like you could just could have done that better just would have you know it's so easy and it's lazy not to i had Um, no idea how funny this was gonna be though i mean it all depends on on your sense how oh yeah rush has great lines i mean yeah i know i'm saying this depends on who you are in this movie It depends on who you are, if the humor lands for you. But, I mean, yeah, it's not, it's, I don't think it, I mean, the humor doesn't really work for me. Without Rush, no. Without Rush, I like yeah. Rush, I, I know, I keep feeling like I've said Rush the most out of anything. Yeah, he's great. Uh, yeah. In this episode. But if, I I would rewatch this movie only for Rush. Yeah. Like, yeah. I generally. He's really good in that, in that scene where, with the hair. throne. Yeah. It was so yeah, really so good. good. And I think Firth again does some good. Does his best work reacting and connecting and listening in those scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did have a hard job trying not to make that stammer to be. I mean, it is kind of egregious, but like to make it unbearable and so over the top. And it it could be your opinion that it is, but I think it's probably just below that. I think it's, it's also, just like okay. it just misses it to be um, over the top. Just it's a, a really bit. hard line to walk, so I I can sympathize. But I think it it kind of shows the trend of the academy picking winners of people who you know are 
playing real people and also people who have a disability. You know, yeah. like Matthew McConaughey and Dallas Buyers Club and um, an impediment of some court. Of some yeah, sort like of some life. something that they physically have to overcome. Um, Forrest Gump. Yeah, Forrest Gump. Jeez. Um, yeah, so I mean, because he's not just playing royalty, he's not just playing a real person, but he's playing a real person with a physical disability so i mean it's just kind of like an actor's dream for this kind of material and it's it's like catnip a disability that alters your performance yeah Yeah, i agree that's what a lot of actors yeah dig because it's a challenge yeah um Um, it is pretty inspirational i mean i think the reason why the academy likes it is one it's a period piece too it's a actor doing some like doing a different thing it has um good character actors but it's also like an uplifting story because he he achieves the he he you know he uh gets over the obstacle at the end he achieves what he set out to do yeah Um, but i found it i just didn't find it to be as effective as it could have been especially with like the circumstances i watched the movie in it was primed for me to be like oh my god yeah i feel so touched right right now when i'm just like yeah it was well done all right it wasn't thrilling it wasn't thrilling at all um, I think it's too long. Yeah, it's it's it, it's like two hours, but it it feels. It, I think it's just a testament to Hooper's lack of skill of a filmmaker. He's just it, it's two hours, but it feels he's like so two and a half. Yeah, he's there's something so. Un, I mean, there's just yeah. There, um, he's just competent, but that un, it's like that competent, um, way of you know making your movie it's just when in retrospect it doesn't mean much now i mean compared to david fincher and christopher nolan having movies that year too yeah like I, they, I, they have such a singular vision vision so it's like it's crazy that tom hooper beat beat them and that was the uh reputation that i always knew the king's speech of that it was the movie that beat the social network yeah I mean, uh, I mean, a lot of movies are like that. Like, um, and we'll talk you about know, the, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, in this decade and other decades like that, where they're defined by be be like Shakespeare in Love. True. People, for yeah. when people like film nerds, when they hear about that, they're like, oh yeah, the movie that beats Avatar Ryan, versus Hurt Locker. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, but like, I, I guess I mean, like the actual win that topples over like mm-hmm. the favorite, the, like the not consensus favorite, but close to consensus favorite. That's when yeah. I think it becomes that. It, that's what defines that movie. You can call Green Book versus Roma. This is true, but I we would have to wait a few years before to see what is really Green Book's legacy. But I'm sure. I, I'm guessing you're right. Um, <laughs> I think I just jumped to Avatar versus Hurt Locker because Catherine Bigelow and James Cameron. Yeah, but that was more of like two titans going over. I'm I'm talking more about this uh the the someone who's beating the consensus favorite. True. Where out of nowhere and it feels wrong. Yeah. I mean, this is like Tom Hooper's second movie too. What was this first? I think it's it was some British comedy, I think. Hmm. Um but you were talking about like how flat or how competent um, Hooper style is and how it's kind of uninteresting. Uh, like I totally agree. And even when he takes like chances with the cinematography, like there is this tracking shot 
um, when uh, Firth and uh, Bottom Carter are like walking down the stairs. But for some reason, the camera is like below the like is pointing from like it's pointing upwards and it's like below their waist and it looks and it like it kind of enlarges them in a way that feels unnatural and it's very like it's not good looking it just does not it, it it's very distracting and uh, um the damned united that i think that was his movie before this mm, that makes sense it's a title i've never heard before yeah <laughs> that makes sense um yeah oh, I, michael I, sheen's in it Ooh. interesting that makes sense um yeah, I just think the cinematography, even even when it tries to do something a little different, I find it one I found it to be distracting and misplaced. Like we talked about like, the extreme close-ups in the beginning, that felt completely off tone and off kilter. Um, the weird like below the waist camera uh, camera shots, where you know they're, um, the camera's below the waist and it points upwards to do this kind of medium shot that looks bad. Mm-hmm. I I just was like. It, it, Besides that, there's no style to yeah, it. And even very, when they, he tries to have a style, and there is no, it, even when there is a, there he tries to have a style, it does not work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's fine. Three stars. Do you have directors brought up? Yeah, I, I looked at that. It's not incredibly interesting. Um, you got David O. Russell for The Fighter, Fincher for Social Network, The Coens for True Grit, Aronofsky for Swan, and Hooper for Speech. I would honestly kick out Aronofsky for Deborah Granick. Hmm. I mean, I haven't seen The Fighter, but um, yeah, I'm just sometimes annoyed with Aronofsky's style. I just don't think I'm vibing on his wavelength. Um, and I just think Granick is doing amazing work on Where's Bone. But like everyone else, I I'm more fine for some reason. I'm I'm more content with keeping Black Swan and picture than I am having Aronofsky in director. But yeah, Tom Hooper beating all of them is just kind of a felony. And um, yeah. Nick Fincher losing is man. He's I just never don't think they like Fincher. I know that's like, that goes to my point. I don't think the Academy likes Fincher. Yeah, yeah that's um. true. The other big award that King Speech won was original screenplay. Mm. Um, it beat out Another Year, The Fighter, Inception, and The Kids Are All Right. That's four. Yeah, it, it, yeah, King Speech beat out Another Year, oh, The Fighter, oh. Inception, yeah. Kids Are All Right. Um, um, yeah, I don't know how I feel, but I haven't. I've, the only movie I've seen out of those four is the Inception. Inception, and I would obviously give this over to King's Speech. I just don't. I mean, it has interest. Again, the writing when it talks when it talks about his disability or like the idea of his relationship with his father and his brothers and how he was ridiculed and the story about his nanny. That's the stuff where I'm like, okay, there's some meat to bear. Yeah. There are some topics to discuss. There is some things to flush out. There's some depth to have and it just kind of brushes aside and you're like all right let's do let's go let's let's see what's happening with the you know the royal uh the royal order of things and the policy around that let's go to that when it just does not and there's some really cheesy lines when uh the prime minister comes to um to resign and he's like i'm sorry to leave you at such a perilous time so this hitler is horrible very horrible uh and I'm about to leave you, and 
you know, biggest challenges yet to come. It's like a fucking, like, it sounded like a fucking superhero movie. Like, you know, you need to get ready for what's coming. It will, you know, it will be incredibly difficult. You have to use all of your will to defeat it. Like, it, it, I I was just kind of like, all right, like, come on, really? (laughs) There was no better line to do that with. Yeah, right. There was no, we could, we could, like, flex this to be a little bit more natural it really it did feel like it kind of like it felt sometimes it felt like a sports movie in the worst ways right like an like the underdog it's like i mean that's it's that kind of story it's the underdog you know it's fucking rocky or whatever trying to uh win the day but i don't uh, think that all the obstacles a political thriller shouldn't or what am i saying yeah i guess i'll say that but it shouldn't be compared to a sports movie because those are just well, it shouldn't be a political thriller, yeah. but it tries to be, which is dumb because it should True. not be about the politics. It should be yeah. about the actual fucking dude. Have you seen a single man? No. No, I've always wanted to see that. I like Firth. Yeah, the poster's always been intriguing. I just don't think you deserve to win. No, not not at all. Um. Yeah, like after this, he goes and does like. Tinker's Taylor and then King's Speech. Like, there's a whole bunch of nonsense that doesn't really exist. Maybe Kingsman. Kingsman, yeah. And then, um... oh, it was in 1917 this year. Yeah, that's right. Um, but he's great in Kingsman. That's yeah, the better. King he's good movie. in Kingsman. Yeah. That's the better King movie out of the King's Speech and Kingsman. <laughs> he's good in Kingsman, not King's Speech. What if Samuel Jackson from Kingsman was in this? <laughs> With a list. Yeah. Well, Miss the King, I feel like you need to learn how to talk a little better. I think that you need to work on your speech impediment. Do you want the McDonald's? <laughs> it's great. Oh my gosh. Um, um, yeah. Yeah, I wish this movie was a little more interesting so we could talk right, about like right. stuff. But like, I mean, I could, honestly, if this movie, I really do think this movie should not have been really about. I guess it had to kind of be about King George the Sixth and Birdie as, which is the loveliest nickname. But I, I guess it should have been about him. But if they, if they kind of made it a co-lead situation with Rush, as in like they, we really tackle also Rush's storyline a bit more and have him like integral. Mm. Like I, I guess he already is. I don't know what I'm saying. But like yeah. I don't think there should be many scenes without him, and there are. And I think that's the mistake of the movie. I think it should really be half and half of them if you're gonna especially if you're gonna make their dynamic the soul of the movie let it be the actual fucking soul yeah don't don't you know don't try to have it while also having the most boring and unimportant politics storyline i don't think there's a way to make king george that interesting because he doesn't want to be here in the he first doesn't place be interesting. yeah right like it's he doesn't want to be interesting he is um, against so that's interesting. that's just another reason to make to prioritize uh, Jeffrey Rush, Lionel. I think that's his name. I'm yes, starting to remember Lionel. this movie now. <laughs> this is kind of an inopportune time, right? Yeah. So like, remember this movie now. Oh Lord. You might have done done that 50 minutes ago. I know. Um, um, no, I'm I'm joking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, again, I, I think it's fine. I think it's watchable. Um, I don't even like 
besides the social network, I don't think the the Oscars that year is that interesting. Um, I don't think there's a big controversy. Um, yeah, like because like the two acting like the fighter also got two of the acting awards, and then Firth got um, King uh, King Speech. Who, who, who won actors? Yeah, I was just gonna oh, say. I'm gonna yeah. look that up in a minute. Um. Oh, oh yeah, Portman for Black Swan. Oh, that's right. Yeah, actually, that's a great performance. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the, probably the most interesting award, but everything else seems like. Yeah. What's the point? I mean, it, it's Melissa Leo for the Fighter. Oh yeah. And Carter was not. Uh, Bottom Carter was nominated for the King's Speech, which is you know a, a choice. Um, um, I do yeah. think she's good in this movie. I yeah. will defend that. I think she's interesting, and I think she does. She does have this weird, but she has this really weird line when she's like trying to console him, like he's crying. He's like, "I don't want to be king. I don't want to be king," which is a, a mediocre scene at best. She says, like, at the end, the reason why I married you because one, I didn't want to have this royal life. I didn't want to have my life over um, hijacked was because of your stamina. Because I thought they would leave you alone. And then the scene cuts. And mm. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, wait, what? Was that supposed to be helpful? He, yeah. he basically just said, well, now, you know, even if you, since you're stammer, uh, I married you because of your stammer. Or I, mar- I, I accepted your marriage because of your stammer. I already loved you, but I thought they would ignore you. Now they haven't, so I'm kind of fucked. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't know. It just seemed like a really fucking weird scene to put. Yeah. And you I had no it. idea what that was doing there. Like, I don't know what, like, was that supposed to be uplifting? Was that supposed to be cute? Or was that just, like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It just seems completely out of place. I think how these Best Picture winners age is going to be what I'm looking forward to the most in this series. <clears throat> because, like we said up front, strangely enough, Argo and Birdman were the things that we saw the... We just saw because they were talked about when we first got into movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah, seeing those, seeing all of these again, are um, with retrospect, I think is going to be really, really interesting, especially in the first half of the year. Um, but yeah, you I mean, of the decade or I mean, mean, oh yeah, the, the decade, yeah, um, yeah, because like these things and like especially how like obviously what they beat, but like what, like what, like just how how are they in 2020 you know like how do they look but that makes yeah, sense yeah um uh, no it, it does um because i was surprised the... how well liked this was when i went back and read and watched some of these interviews and uh reviews because oh yeah it has like, like an I 80 ex- on metacritic yeah like i expected this to be kind of pan just because like i said this was the reputation of the pan. movie that hit or yeah, not pan, but just a little bit more divisive because it had the reputation of the movie that beat the Social Network. Well, that was after they got those reviews, so that's True. different. Yeah, but it is interesting. Like, yeah, it has an eighty-eight on Metacritic. Yeah. I just, if it had more thing, if it had this more like the substance of like it had more depth and it had more style, maybe I would, I would see that. Even <laughs> if maybe I disagree with a lot of the story choices or the focus on it. But mm-hmm. it's just so bland to me and muted that I don't see that. Who would you rather have direct us than Tom Hooper? 
Oh, I don't know. I know it's kind of mm-hmm. tough to. Spot. Well, yeah, because these are the movies that are hard because you have to plug in an interesting director into, unfortunately, a non-interesting script. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. well, script and also the type of movies a lot of times uninteresting. So you have to find someone that's inventive, but you don't want to supplant the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, back in 2010. Oh, I'm. Oh, I should have thought of that. <laughs> My answer is Yorgos Lanthimos, but I think that's only because the favorite the is so favorite, new. Yeah. Um, and I didn't even think about like 2010 era directors. Um, Spielberg, uh, honestly. Spielberg, yeah, that's kind of a. Like Lincoln's, Lincoln, I think Lincoln's really good. And I know something just... outrageous, like Spike Lee's The King's Speech. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like Denzel to play uh, Jeffrey Rush's part on, <laughs> like Tony Scott's The King's that Speech. Be funny. Yeah, that would be quite like even like fucking like I don't know about Ridley Scott. I don't know if it's an, there's enough there for him to. No, I said Tony Scott. No, I know, but no, I'm talking about what about if Ridley Scott did it? Oh, oh, actually, you know what? That's actually a pretty good answer. Yeah, I don't, but I don't think, but I think he needs a little more. I don't think he can just do political thriller. Mm. I think he has to have a little more to tackle. Or have to play with. You get Russell Crowe. Yeah. Michael Mann's The King's Speech. Yeah, never. Oh my God. Yes. No. No. That would have been wild. Michael Mann's The King's Speech. (laughs) That would have been wild. The most American director to (laughs) tackle the most British material. Churchill has a Chicago a a Chicago (laughs) accent for some reason. Barry Shabazz. Oh, you know that Hitler guy. Yeah. Not a big fan. Bruce McGill and plays Churchill. Yeah. Dennis Farina is uh, Jeff Rush's part. I think he was dead, wasn't he? Wasn't he dead by that point? No, he was dead by then. I think. Yeah. So you just get him out of experience. Yeah, you just weekend at Bernie's Dennis Farina. Yeah. Oh my lord. What about McQueen? Steve McQueen. Oh wow, actually. Yeah, we'll talk about Steve McQueen later this series. Yeah, but he's like he's British. He has, he's good with making. He had Hunger. Out. Yeah. Um. I think he would. That was actually weird enough. Hunger is the only movie that takes place in his homeland. (laughs) Does Shame take place in like Scotland? No, Shame takes place in New York City. I'm so sorry. I, I. Honestly, that might be the most embarrassing thing I've ever said. It's, it's been a while, but I so I was fun. thinking I for some reason I thought I thought Fassbender had his natural accent in that. Well, I just like that movie more than you do, so it's. Oh, oh, you know, no, it's Tom Thomas Al, um Al, Albertson who played who directed Tinker uh, Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy. He should have directed. Yeah, this. the uh, yeah, that's a good that's a good call. That's the answer. That's I mean. Even though maybe he's not the greatest director of all time, he's so much more interesting than Hooper. So that's that's. Not like Pedro Almodovar, like it'll be kind of like. What was, what what was he doing during that time? I mean, he was making movies. That, um, <laughs> I I can't recall what he had out around this time, but I feel like it'd be a lot more emotionally poignant if he if he directed this. I mean, probably. Um. Uh, yeah. I I. I, I what about Wes Anderson's The King's Speech? That would have been fun. Like you have like that would um, have been fun. Jason Schwartzman as King George, <laughs> and um, I don't know Bill Murray as as Jeffrey Rush's part, and 
Um, you would have uh, Angelica Houston as Helena Bottom Carter. Oh my god. Oh, she. I think she actually would do well. Yeah. 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 I've I never seen true. Angelica Houston in a bad movie. This is true. This is true. Uh, yeah. I. I don't know what else. To, oh, you're talking about. I just thought of. Oh, I thought of this a while ago. And I didn't really have find a time to mention it, but I'll just do it anyways. Um, you're talking about the king of the biopic, like how that's kind of Scorsese, um, especially like he just released Irishman, which is a biopic, even though it's a little more ambitious than a regular biopic. I think the rain, like the new king, or maybe like the runner-up, right now isn't a director. I mean, he is a director now, but Aaron Sorkin. Sorkin, yeah. Moneyball. Steve Jobs, yeah. Molly's Game. He's good at um, adapting books. That's why I know. Social Network. Yeah. Yeah, but he, he take. But you were talking about like how the struggles of the biopic and how that kind of constrains someone, and how this movie does has an interesting idea of tackling someone's specific life or someone's yeah. speci- a specific part of someone's life. When yeah. Sorkin does that with all of his movies. Steve Jobs, only three separate parts. Of course, they're based off of, uh, like, books or, you know, he co-writes them. But still, he does that in a really interesting way. Yeah. I think Sorkin, like, so, I feel like anyone's idea of the next biopic or whatever, I feel like Sorkin's always mentioned. What about with Sorkin? Yeah. Sorkin. Because he just makes, one, he makes all the kind of mundane dialogue to push, push, you know, to push the plot further or to give those Wikipedia facts. He makes that so much more compelling. Mm-hmm. So that's why it, he's so great at yeah. biopics. It's because he makes the boring parts good. Um, God, like, I'm so yeah. excited to do Moneyball. I'm so excited. Like, just to do one one day to do Moneyball. That's another one that I saw two years Yeah, I was going to say, it did not win Best Picture. So I was yeah, like, I mean, when are we doing Moneyball? <laughs> but it's not just like that I saw it too young, but it's like I have so many vivid memories of so many moments. So they so they stick a lot more now rewatches. And like it rules even if I didn't see it when I was younger, but it's, it's just, it, it's, it lands even better. Is Todd Haynes British? Todd Haynes is American. No. Yeah, well, actually, it's a pretty good pick. I don't, but when, when did he come onto the scene? It wasn't. Early 90s. Interesting. All right, maybe he could have done it. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, this movie's kind of, I don't want to say pointless, but hey, if you want to watch it, I, I don't want to say pointless. I, I, this movie is I, made how Todd Hay- Tom, Tom Hooper looks. <laughs> you know, it's it's just kind of like eh, there's there's something there. This is definitely a saltine movie. Saltine, right? Yeah. <laughs> out of saltine movies, I would. This is a decent saltine movie. Yeah. Like um, I, I think it's I think it has good things in it. Again, I would rewatch. I, I wouldn't mind rewatching this again. I wouldn't like I wouldn't choose to, but if someone wanted to, I'd be like, yeah, sure, I'll watch it. Yeah. It's it's very yeah. watchable. It's yeah, yeah. You just forget. There's it nothing the that I'll get out of this. It's not very complex or challenging. No, but it's never egregious. It's never like, oh man, that's such a bad scene. It's just more of like, I don't care. But you know, I, it's a perfect if you want to like folding laundry movie. Folding, or, you know, laundry. folding laundry while you're watching it, or you're that should you be wanna, like category. You want to work on your computer or do something on your phone, put it in the background, totally yeah. fine. Right. Maybe then you come into the room and you see my, uh, Jeffrey Rush. Yeah, yeah and if, maybe if you come into the room and Jeffrey Rush is just killing it on screen, just <laughs> absolutely murdering, then yeah, you maybe... Right. Timothy Spall is hanging it up. Yeah. Oh. He's God. definitely swimming in the river of him, Spall. Yeah. 
I, I wish Rush would just, I don't know. I feel like he should be in everything now. He should I just be in was Paddington. So, I was so delighted seeing him in this movie. He should be the villain in Paddington 3. <laughs> that ever. What about what about Paul King's King's speech? Oh, Paul King. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. That would have been. Yeah. I'll, I'll I mention. I, I uh, wait, one second. Oh, my God. That'd be cool. That'd be dope. I'll mention him twice in one episode. Patrick Willems had his Q&A recently, and um, someone asked him, who do you think should be the villain in Paddington 3? And he said Dan- Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> As a shoe cobbler? As a shoe cobbler, yeah. You have a, that's his, that's his uh, final role, actually. You have a taxidermist in the first one with um, Kidman. Yeah. You have... You have an actor. With Grant, and, and then you have a yeah. cobbler with... Daniel <laughs> I would actually love that. He has to get a new pair of shoes for Aunt Lucy. <laughs> or he's trying to make his new pair of shoes out of Paddington. You want to just say fuck Green Book and do Paddington too? <laughs> uh, honestly, I would. But <laughs> but the thing about Green Book is okay, the thing it has right, going go. for it. Hopefully I won't get canceled for saying this. <laughs> right, right. There's more to talk about with Green Book than there is the King's speech. It's true. I think it. I think, and what helps that there's more to talk about is that we were more involved in last year's uh, award season. Yeah, but it's also like Green we Book were has this in King's baggage speech. to it. Yeah, King's Speech doesn't have baggage. Yeah, it has. It has like he has. It has a paper. He has a paper blank like a, you know those blank paper bags you get at the grocery store. That's the baggage. King's speech carries <laughs> the baggage that King's speech carries is like um is like a plastic bag it's it's like a sandwich baggie it's, it's oh yeah with nothing inside no, no logo not a yeah, single yeah, logo. yeah yeah it's it's brandless kind of like how tom hooper is brandless <laughs> a bag that can choke a ch- child but not have any style that's that's it's a bag that will choke out tom hooper oh god <laughs> oh tom hooper i mean we shouldn't be so mean to the guy he's already goes after I, that's the, I think it's Kurt well is. he's he's a straight white male so he'll probably recover right um and i hate <laughs> saying that but honestly if anyone else made that movie their career would be done but since but you know you know straight white males they only fail upwards um right. so i think he'll be just fine unfortunately for the world um but i mean i don't know he's probably a nice guy and i don't think any i don't think anyone deserves cats i don't think any director deserves what happened with cats Lord. Uh, and even though maybe it was by his own doing but i don't i just don't know what else i just don't think i think that project was doomed to be a disaster and i don't think any director would have fixed that how do you feel about cats possibly receiving visual effects over ad astra nomination i thought it was they know that the cats stopped campaigning Oh, no, Everything no, no, but how do you feel, if, like, let's just hypothetically, hypothetically say. Oh, and, I like, would... Ad Astra didn't even make the short list. No, because, because dumb, 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 dumb. That's, that's, that's because, because it's dumb. It's dumb, very dumb. I, I, I can't describe in words what would happen. I would, I, I would strangle a cat, that's for sure. Right, yeah. I would find I'm a cat, cat, like, this is your responsibility, and I will grab it and strangle it and then it'll scratch me and i'll be like that's fair and it would and it would run away um 
And I probably should be arrested for that because no one's just trying to okay. I mean, but Tom then I would be arrested first of all. Yes, I will then get a then like some claws from like a knife <laughs> or something, and they're not a knife store. That I'm okay. I'm not crazy, but like I don't know. Oh, get a feral cat and mm. throw it into Tom Hooper's house. Nice, nice. I think, that's, I think it's poetic. Taste of his own medicine. She, really, have this paw your eyes out. I know what I know that movie caught everyone's uh, everyone's eyes out. They made they it made them want to. We should watch. We should do cats. We should do I don't cats. know when, but we should do cats eventually. Like yeah. Because I haven't seen it, but I actually really want to see it. Yep. Yep. I think. Gloriously bad. <sighs> should we just cap off the end of the year, end of 2020, with cats? Like how we started, how Tom Hooper ended and began his decade. Mm, yeah i you know what should we make a promise right now Let's december 2020 yes december 2020 we will Good cover cats. unless there's something huge and i don't think there is that date um yeah no star, no star wars, wars avatar so we're good dune, so we'll do right? dune, cats. I think. Uh, we'll do doing the previous week or something we'll, we'll around that time well maybe the first you we'll know do we'll do it january. yeah we'll no do we'll do january cats <laughs> after january cats um, yes the movie january no uh like since we're doing this on January 2nd, um, or no, it's the 3rd. God, fuck me. Um, we'll do Cats on January 3rd, 2021. How about that? Okay. Right. It's a pretty long way Hopefully right? we forget that. Yeah, right, this. yeah. But maybe we won't. Yeah. I like how we tried to make a Gaspar Noe movie, but it, but he disguised, yeah. Like, this is oh. so clearly dis- disguised as something else, hmm. it seems like. You know, and he's like, okay, so I don't have a style of my own, this but <laughs> what if I copied someone else? What about if I had cats? What if I copied style? and pasted another man's work <laughs> onto my own flavorless? I don't think. Uh, Do you think Climax is that similar to cats? No, I mean, I'm not saying. I mean, you just it just kind of looks that outrageous. That it's like if you told me Gaspar Noé directed Cats, I, I, it'd be like it looks pretty similar. Uh, I, I think look, it would look much more interesting. Well, it would, it, like I think the cats would be fucking each other on screen. I mean, if yeah, Gaspar like, Noé directed it. Yeah, there's Sangria. Yeah. Um, oh my god. Like so I'm not saying Bella, it plays all of the cats. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. Um, what's his name? Vincent Casal plays plays the cats um like i'm not saying universal would give gaspar no way to make a big budget musical but it's just like it just looks as visually striking it looks the mute it looks like the the dollar uh, dollar store version of gaspar no way that's what you're yeah. saying yeah okay all right I, I i one of the other things i have no opinions on i just don't have um but okay well, yeah don't you like, have an, i get that opinion on I don't have an opinion on the dollar uh, dollar store version of Gaspar Noé. <laughs> right, yeah. I think he'd be pretty bland. I just I just don't know how to comprehend that idea. Yeah, I think that um, that person is cats. <laughs> so, I think we got to go with our favorite scene now. And I have one. I think it's pretty easy for me. Um, and I don't even know if you can pick one cuz you don't even remember the movie, but yeah. <laughs> no. Mine is definitely them sharing Two, excuse me, two glasses of scotch 
while the uh, while uh, Fir- uh, Firth kind of tinkers with the model airplane, and they're just talking, and they're talking about his childhood and relationship with his brother right after his dad dies, and it's really vulnerable, and Rush is just listening. Um, I think it's really good. I think it's just a really well done scene. I think they both do a really good job. I think it's, I think it's um, shot in the right way. I think mm-hmm. they're um, blocked in the right way. I, I just think it's a. I don't want to say a perfect scene, but I think it's just exactly what it needed to be. Like you'd rewatch um, it if it came up in your recommendation recommendations in YouTube. Yes, like that yeah, scene. Oh that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I think it's really well done. I think. I um, would, yeah, it's. A I think pretty, I. That's a superb scene. Yeah, I'd pick the one when they're in the throne room, right? Is, yeah, it's a great one. Yeah, it's a good one. When like Rush is sitting down, he's like, "You can't sit there," and it's and I think it it kind of shows the climax of uh, Firth's arc, where he's like starting to build confidence. And he's, well, it's also the idea that the stammer is more subconscious than it is like physical. Yeah. Or it's like this this gain of power is isn't just for for being the king, but it's it's for legacy too. So it's all yeah, it's like also you're good enough. Yeah. You're good yeah. enough. Trust yeah. me, you you know, you deserve this. Yeah. Um it's yeah. Under some circumstances. Yeah. Um well <laughs> guess this is the end of the King's this speech is, episode. This is, I this feel is, like it's a it's perfect kind of way like to a, end it. Yeah, it's it's just it's a shrug. Of a, it's a shrug of a of a first start, you know. It's like we should really kick this off with more of a of a of an excitement, but it's not very of, of an excitement. We didn't movie. choose the movie. Yeah, this is right. the first time we like we didn't you know, the Academy. Unfortunately, no one chose no one chose this. Chose this. So. Yeah. Um, it, it, that that's why we were trying to get an exciting guest on, but you know things just didn't yeah. work out that way. Gotcha. But next week we will have the artist, a movie. Have you seen that? I have not. Is that? Is King's Speech and Artist the only two Best Picture nominees we haven't seen before this? It's you haven't seen Spotlight because you're so the, fucking dumb. Yeah, I know, I know. That's. I was just gonna say they're the only two that aren't embarrassments, <laughs> but those three are the only ones. I'm, I'm, I just, oh, I God, I don't even know if I can end this episode now. I'm so mad. I, I just keep remembering that. Um, um weird. Oh, it's weird. I haven't seen it. Um, but yeah, but, next week uh, we have the artist with Eric Zipper. Yes, Schmodown is our second Schmodown competitor and also team funny enough teammate with Paulo Yama. Uh yeah, Eric Zipper. It's gonna be exciting. Uh we're really excited we're gonna to be to listening. To, yeah, exactly, because he's seen this movie and I, I'm pretty sure he loves it so or likes it a lot. So yeah. be interested to hear his take on it because we haven't seen it and we have no idea what to expect. So that'll that I think that will be much more interesting than oh, yeah, the totally. King's speech, I yeah. gotta say. Just not hard. Um, a lot more to chew on, yeah. Yes. Jack, where can everyone find you on yeah. the social medias? I'm on Twitter at Jack A. Draper. And my writing can be found at the Simple Cinephile. Uh, we just had something come out um, talking about everyone's favorite movies of the decade. And I wrote about The Wind Rises for a little bit. And uh, we also had some other contributors talk about their favorites. So check out that piece. I wasn't asked. No, no, you didn't get the invite. Yeah. No, I mean, I could have, I could have put Dread as one of the top films of the big advocate, 2010. Dread energy. Yeah. I love Dread. 
I can't. I, on, I know I've, this has been a joke, but we're doing Dread at some doing point, dread. and I'm okay. really fucking ready. Yeah. Uh, Should we do you, a Clay's Picks month? Not a month. Jesus, don't give me that much freedom. Um, <laughs> but we'll have a Clay pick at one point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like the idea. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there'll be a lot of lulls. Yeah. This, world, this world's not crazy enough as it is. Yeah. Uh, everyone can find me at ClayFilm100 on Twitter, on Instagram, and on Letterboxd. Um, I'm trying to stay off of Twitter right now because of the world's bad. Uh, <laughs> so probably just follow me at Letterboxd because I, I write funny things. I think I'm a pretty funny guy, even though every single person I've ever met says no. So find out on your own it's a little bit more civil on letterboxd than is on twitter which is pretty much the opposite uh, of any other day I mean, well i don't know letterboxd has some dark corners and now i was just if gonna you, say if you, yeah. look, if you look close and now enough. look at any woman's review comment section seriously yeah the film it's, bros are present. it's no good yeah no no good very bad don't yeah. do it uh you can follow the podcast twitter account at ett pod you can find us on anchor you can leave a voicemail if you want uh say anything you want we don't care unless it, you know, um, I think we do care. I, okay. We care a little bit, yeah, but we do. honestly, I'm giving, I'm trusting you guys here. I'm trusting you. Yeah. I'm giving you, I'm, I'm, I'm letting you off the leash. Just say something and we'll, we'll digest it in some way. Yeah. That's all I'll say. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I, I wonder what, well, this is true. Yeah, remember, rate, review, subscribe. I was just yeah. thinking of the worst possible scenarios of someone leaving a voicemail, and that led me down <laughs> a dark path. Uh, yes, please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Yeah. Uh, share us on the social medias. Tell your friends. Tell your cats. Um, thank you so Screaming much for listening. Yeah. Uh, Scream out of your windows. Yeah. Um, use the wireless. <laughs> use that wireless microphone we all have in our homes. Right, yeah. Speak to the people, by the people, for the people. Yeah. Call your politicians. Uh, oh, please, actually, honestly, call your politicians. There, you know, things are I not. Kidding. No bueno. I know he's. I know he's kidding, but the, you know, no bueno. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, I think we should end it. <laughs> unless, what about next week? Like the artist has like this crazy political commentary. Like it says Trump is bad. All of a sudden, like <laughs> where? Where is this coming from? I thought this was silent. Oh, they just yeah. scream, <laughs> Trump's a bad guy. This came out in 2011. What the fuck's happening? Right, like it's done. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, uh, gonna... We'll see. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for Good listening. I will, I will try to repeat this because this has gone on long enough. <laughs> thank you all for listening. We will see you next week.